0: Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith.
1: We're going to have a collapse. We're going to have all sorts of problems in our culture and our society. When we fail to recognize God in society, we take the image of God out of man that gives man value because we were made in the image of God. And when you take the image of God out of man, oh, we are is another form of an animal. And our value is
0: decreased. That is an interesting way of looking at mankind without God. As Pastor Ed says, we're made in God's image. And by not following God's ideals for people, we're basically taking God's image out of us. God's image is not just a physical likeness, but also a spiritual and moral likeness. And by dismissing that part of it, we aren't anything more than a physical body. Today's message looks closer at this and other causes of moral decline, and even deeper into the biblical definitions of murder. Well, let's join Pastor Ed in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verse 13, for his continuing study entitled, The Sixth Commandment. God is sovereign. He determines when we're born and when we
1: die. It's In his hands, we're to recognize that we're accountable to God. And I know that as a nation and as a people, we've said, No, God, you don't have anything to do with our lives. God, you don't have anything to do with society. You're irrelevant. But when we do that, we are going and walking on ice. We're walking on very thin ice. We're going to have a collapse. We're going to have all sorts of problems in our culture and our society. When we fail to recognize God in society, we take the image of God out of man that gives man value because we were made in the image of God. And when you take the image of God out of man, all we are is another form of an animal. And our value is decreased. That's the interpretation of the commandment. It's. Biblical word meaning, it's sociological word meaning, it's theological word meaning. There's an explanation of the sixth commandment, explaining it. What does it permit? It permits the killing of animals. You say, well, pastor, that's not necessary to say. It is. Let me read the biblical text. Well, I'll read especially verse 3, Genesis 9. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you. The birds of the air, the animals of the ground. God, after the flood, said to man, you can eat of any of the animals of the field, or the air, or the sea. I remember one man said to me, I'm not going to church, because I invited him out to church. He said, I'm not going to church. I said, well, why don't you want to come to church? He said, well, you people are all hypocrites of the church. I said, well, come and just join us. You'd fit in Well. <laughs> Then I asked him, well, why don't you want to come? He says, well, because you're all murderers. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, do you eat chicken? Do you eat meat? Yeah, I eat chicken. I eat meat. He said, well, you're a murderer. Now, I, I do believe vegetarians, uh, you know, they're, they're wise. And, and that may be a healthier lifestyle. But um, I don't think anything's wrong with, in a productive way, being able to have animal meat. And this man was all upset because he said, you're murdering Animals, And that's murder. I said, no, it's not. God allows us to eat the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea. So he permits the killing of animals. I cannot understand how people get so upset about, you know, some Indiana bat or some spider or some, uh, you know, uh, little fish or something like that. Now, we need to be conscious of life on this planet. We need to be good stewards. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We're not going to abuse the earth. But you get all upset about that, and you go to someone who's wearing a fur coat, and you rip it off them with anger, and yet you don't get angry about a child being killed in the mother's womb. It doesn't make sense. We need to value human life the way God values human life. That it does. I believe this is my conviction. There are others who are di- have a different view, but I believe it permits capital punishment. I believe when there's a crime that's premeditated, pre-planned, and people today get off so easily for what murder and killing people—it's it's amazing. And I'm not talking about some accident that happens or something in just. Uh, but something that's premeditated, pre-planned. In Numbers chapter 35, verse 33, it reads, For murder pollutes the land, and no sacrifice except the execution of the murderer can purify the land from the murder. And in Romans thirteen four, Paul the Apostle tells us that God gives the government the sword. And that meant the execution of people. See, God wants people to know that if you take a life, your life will be taken. There are consequences to sin. There are consequences to breaking God's word, to breaking God's law. And when you do that, you truly value life. If you say, listen, you can take anybody's life, it doesn't matter, you're you're cheapening the value of life. If you say that a life is so precious... That if you take it, it will cost you your life. Now there are times that God intervenes and He shows mercy. But historic Christianity, historic Christianity, I'm talking about nearly 2,000 years of history, has believed that abortion is murder. They have believed that to kill the innocent is wrong. And suddenly in this latter 20th century into the 21st century, we suddenly have been enlightened. I believe God's law applies for today. William Shakespeare said, He forfeits his own blood that spills another's. I believe this commandment permits self-defense. Self-defense. In Exodus chapter 22 It says, if a thief is caught breaking in and struck so that he dies, the defender is not guilty of bloodshed. What it's saying, if you break into someone's house at night and you're killed, that person's not guilty of bloodshed. Now it goes on to say, if it happens after sunrise, you're to restrain yourself. You're not to show just vengeance. You're to be sensible about how you deal with someone. And that's what the book of Exodus is teaching us. He's teaching us that we value life and we value it so much that we will protect our own lives and lives of our family members as well. It permits a just war. I'm not going to go into all of the standards of a just war. But in Revelation 19.11, it's speaking of Jesus. I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose writer is called Faithful and True with justice he judges and makes war. God himself told his people to go to war or to execute people. There are such things as just wars. A government has a responsibility to protect people. And I think about all the genocide that takes place and all of the crimes that are being committed. We have a responsibility to be a just and a righteous people, to defend the weak and the innocent. So it permits a just war. The law is not an end in itself. It is a means to an end, justice. Whenever we make the law an end in itself, it's not serving its purpose. Its purpose is to create justice, protect people, help people. Uh, That's why it's important to understand what God is saying. He is concerned about the weak. He's concerned about the frail. He's concerned about the innocent. He's concerned about people. And that's why we have his word. We have his law. So the end of law should be justice. Law doesn't become an end in itself, but a means to an end. Now what it permits, we've looked at what it prohibits. I believe it prohibits suicide. King Saul killed himself. Judas killed himself. We're not to take our lives. Our lives are a gift from God. And when God says our days are up, it's up. But to take our lives is a violation of this commandment. Don't murder. We were made in the image and likeness of God and our lives belong to God. We recognize a responsibility to the creator. Suicide is wrong. I remember as a young person growing up in Brooklyn, New York, on 28th Street, almost directly across from my house, maybe three houses over across the street, there was a young man who went out in his backyard and hung himself from his porch. The whole neighborhood was impacted by that. Every time you walked past that house you thought about that young man who had committed suicide. His parents were so overwhelmed with grief that they moved out of the neighborhood to escape the memory. But you just can't leave that type of memory. Suicide is sin and it's selfishness. It leaves other people the grief and the pain and all of the heartache. Suicide is wrong. Now someone has asked me, this Every person who commits suicide, did they go to hell? I don't necessarily think so, because I think there are times that sometimes people are just not responsible for themselves. They're so overwhelmed with depression that they lose the ability to think clearly. I remember as a young pastor having a funeral service. It was one of the men in our church who was a very good, godly man who owned a company, uh, he owned an oil company, company where they would deliver oil and he gave very generously to the church he had a heart to reach people he came down with cancer and he was believing God for a miracle his children his wife his whole family they were praying and as the weeks turned into months and the months passed by he progressively got worse and finally he died his wife was overcome with grief. The children were overcome with grief because they were believing that God was going to heal him. And I remember starting to prepare for the funeral. And the very next day, early in the morning, I received a phone call from one of the children. I could hardly make out what they were saying as they were choking up with tears. They said, Pastor, would you please come? Would you please come? Their mother, so overwhelmed with grief and so shocked by the death of her husband, went into the basement and she hung herself. Now, she had been on medication. And I remember having that funeral service. And I felt that both of them were in heaven. Now, only the Lord knows. But I felt that she was so overwhelmed with grief that she didn't even know what she was doing. But we're not to take our own lives. Our lives belong to God. We're responsible to Him. You can't do what you want with your life. It's God's. You were bought with a price, not with silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So you said to Him, You are my Lord. And when you said you are my Lord, you were turning over your life to Him. I believe that it also excludes prenatal killing. In Psalm 139, it says that we were formed in the womb. We were woven together, every intricate part. And God had a plan for our lives before we ever took a breath. Jeremiah, the prophet, said, you formed me in the womb. You called me to be a prophet. Isaiah said, God's hand was on him and knew him in the womb. And Isaiah, see, God knows about us. Well, someone will say, well, what about risky circumstances? What about, well, I think about this professor in UCLA Medical School. He asked a student the question. He said, I want to give you a family history. He said, the father has syphilis, the mother has TB. They've already had four children. The first is blind, the second had died, the third is deaf. And the fourth has TB. The mother is now pregnant. And they come to you for counseling. And they're willing to get an abortion. What would you tell them? The majority of the students said, get the abortion. And he said, you would have just killed Beethoven. Life is in God's hands. There are prerogatives that are his. That we're not to take from his hands. We're to leave with him. I believe that physician-assisted killing is wrong. Now, we must distinguish, when I say that, we must distinguish between terminating life and terminating treatment. There are some Christians, instead of walking in faith, they walk in fear. And when it comes to the end of the journey, they're hanging on to every bit of life support system. I don't know why that is. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't be on life support or whatever. I'm not saying that. But I am saying, sometimes they go to extremes. If we believe glory is on the other side, and heaven awaits us, why do we hold so tenaciously to this present life? So, uh, we need to be very careful and balance it out. But God values that person. And I can't explain why some person who is maybe in a nursing home and they're just waiting to go home, to be with the Lord. And some young person gets in a car accident and suddenly they're taken. And they have their whole life ahead of them. There are a lot of inequities in life. There are a lot of things that you can't explain. But I believe that we need to leave these things in the Lord's hands because life is not summed up in suffering. If you suffer, your life isn't worthy or you suffer, your life doesn't have this quality of life. Sometimes we learn the deepest things in suffering. God does a sanctifying work in our heart preparing us for heaven. And sometimes it's those around us who are called by God to be caretakers and they learn to move out of themselves into showing kindness and mercy to others. Life is in God's hands to determine when we come in and when we go out. Now that's not to say that God hasn't delegated to the government, areas such as capital punishment. I like what Francis Schaeffer said, if human life can be taken before birth, there is no logical reason why it cannot be taken after birth. And what's happening, euthanasia, will become more and more a way of leaving this world in our country as abortion has become more and more accepted. The blood is crying out to God for judgment. In the book of Genesis, when Cain's blood was spilt, God said his blood cries out for judgment. In Revelation, the blood of the martyrs is crying out to God for judgment. Can you imagine what that sounds like in heaven? Has approximately 40 million babies have been aborted in their mother's womb. Can you imagine all of the murders that take place? I think it's 44 every day that takes place. Over 16,000 a year in America. We're becoming a nation filled with violence. Our young people are somewhere around third or fourth most violent young people in the world. Something is happening. We're ignoring God. And we're Saying, we're going to do it on our own. We're excluding God from the life of society. And when you do that, man loses his way and he hits a wall. Now Jesus took this commandment and he amplified it. He amplified it. He said, murder is not only when you plunge the knife, pull the trigger, inject the poison... He goes to the root of it. It's the heart. Anger in our heart. In Matthew 5.22 it says this, But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. God looks at the secrets of our heart. He looks at what is inside of us. Have you heard the expression, If looks could kill, eyes become a window of the soul. And sometimes anger is so stirred in a person's heart that they're vindictive. They carry out a vendetta in their soul and they look with glee, if I could say it, at the obituary. God knows the heart. He examines us on the inside. And he's saying for his people. Don't let it begin even... Even if it's hidden from others, and even if it's never acted out, what happens in your heart, what happens in your soul, what happens in your spirit matters to God. 1 John 3.15 says it so powerfully. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life. I wish you were dead. Hmm. God says you're crossing the line when you wish a wish like that. When anger and hatred fill your heart so that you wish a person were in the grave. Now, Jesus didn't limit it to our heart. He says it could also come out in our words. Murder can be done by what we say. Anger in our words. Anyone who says to his brother Raka is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Uh, To treat a person with disrespect. To treat them as a non-entity. To take away their value. To gossip. You know there are some things that sometimes tie people together. It's the gossip line. It's a bonding. They have a dance together as they dance over the grave of someone's reputation and good character. But it's not a dance inspired by heaven but by hell. Character assassination. Destroying people with our words. Robbing them of hope by what we say even by what we don't say sharp words make more wounds than surgeons can heal how how true listen to this poem my name is gossip I have no respect for justice I maim without killing I break hearts and ruin lives I'm cunning and malicious and gather strength with age The more I'm quoted, the more I'm believed. My victims are helpless. They cannot protect themselves against me because I have no name and no face. To track me down is impossible. The harder you try, the more elusive I become. I'm nobody's friend. Once I tarnish a reputation is never the same. I topple governments and wreck marriages. I ruin careers and cause sleepless nights, heartaches and indigestion. I make innocent people cry in their pillows. Even my name hisses. I'm called gossip. I make headlines and headaches. Before you repeat a story, ask yourself, is it true, is it harmless, is it necessary? If it isn't, don't repeat it. We need to be concerned about the welfare of other people. We need to be concerned the way God has been concerned about us. Jesus said, murder is not only plunging a knife, pulling the trigger, it's what we may say or how we feel inside.
0: The Ten Commandments are truly an epic part of the Bible. Hollywood has forever immortalized this section of the scripture in a movie starring Charlton Heston. While we know that we can't keep these commandments in order to gain entrance into heaven, what is our relationship to them? Pastor Ed will tackle this question and many others as he teaches through this ten-part series entitled The Ten Commandments. You've been listening to Voice of Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. There you can find today's message. The only thing you need to remember is today's date. Again, to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Voice of Faith and to access the archive of messages, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Voice of Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Voice of Faith.